Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor and privilege I have to take the King James Bible, thank God for our Bible, and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I don't want to take it for granted, and you ought not either, that we have a copy of the Word of God. You know, other books might entertain and they might inform, but only the Bible. Bible can transform in that for all eternity and thank the Lord for his book, his word. He's magnified his word even above his own name. There's nothing like it. You know, you want to hold a miracle in your hand, pick up your Bible. Amen. A little bit of heaven on earth, then grab your Bible and you say, I have got a question. Well, the Bible's got your answer. It's God's answer book for life and for eternity. Salvation, amen, and then every step of the spiritual journey. There's nothing like the Word of God. I was listening to a, uh, a song, and uh, I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible, Light of My Pathway to Shine, and the old couple that were singing it, you could just see the joy of the Lord in their face, and uh, it was just obvious they had a love for their Bible. Now, we've been studying in Acts chapter 4, or I'm sorry, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We've been studying in Acts chapter 3, and today we're going to enter into chapter 4. Now, Acts chapter 1 and 2 are very important with that uh, establishing of that early church, the empowering of the early church, the endowment, the equipping, the evangelizing of the early church. Chapter 3 is the same, where the first miracle really takes place, where these disciples go out, Peter and John go forth, and the lame man is healed, and Peter preaches that second Spirit-filled sermon this time on the fact that Christ fulfilled the covenant promise and that Christ was the Messiah and that these men had crucified their Messiah and that they needed to repent and get saved. That happens in chapter 3. When you come to chapter 4, oh my, business picks up. What I mean by that is persecution sets in. It didn't take long for this church and these Christians to stir up a hornet's nest. And by the way, if your church can exist that word coexist in your city and never ruffle the feathers of the devil, then you're not doing anything for God. I'm just going to say it right, just like it is. I mean, if you can exist in this world in this day and hour and not take any kind of enemy fire, feel any kind of heat from the persecution uh, of this world, then you're living your Christian life somewhere in the shadows and need to get out there uh, in the spotlight and shout from the housetop. Now, we're going to see in chapter 4 this crowd that Peter began to preach to at the temple in chapter 3 does not take too kindly to some of his direct preaching. By the way, that's not how I gauge my preaching. I don't want to gauge my preaching off of the reception of the people. I want to gauge my preaching off of my faithfulness to what God told me to preach. Whether you like it, lump it, take it, or jump it, if I can just give what God said give, then that's well done. That's okay. And sometimes I'm afraid we are too seeker-sensitive and we are too uh, survey-minded. We look at the expression on the face of the people to see, what, would they like that or did they enjoy that? And, and that's not where we're supposed to go with this thing. We are supposed to obey God rather than man. We are supposed to preach what thus saith the Lord, not what thus liketh this generation. 
Peter called them out. He was straightforward. He was calling them to repentance, to regeneration. He was calling his generation to an awakening that God was who he said he was and that Christ was the Son of God. Now, chapter 4 begins. Let's read it together. Verse number 1. And as they spake unto the people, so they're still preaching now. Peter and John are still preaching. They're following up. They're witnessing. They are explaining their doctrine. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So they got a whole group of, uh, of objectors here. The Bible tells us the captains of the temple. Uh, these are those that were chosen from among the Levites. They were captains over bands that would serve in these 24 courses, one hour each there in the temple. The Sadducees, of course, we know, uh, did not believe in miracles. So they're going to be, oh my, you know, you imagine how uh, upset they're going to be with this lame man. I mean, how are you going to deny it? The lame man is not lame. He's leaping. He's praising God. And here they are saying God doesn't do miracles and God just did one in their church right in front of their face. They didn't believe in the resurrection and Peter just preached on the resurrection. So they're all upset as well. I mean, they're just having a hard time here. And these priests... And these Sadducees and the captain of the temple, they come, and here's a sad description of their attitude. Verse 2, being grieved. Oh, my. You better believe it. You got something wrong in your heart if you're grieved when God does something. If you're upset that God blessed, you better get right. If you're bitter that God moved, then you better get right. If you're analyzing what God has done, then you better get right. If you're critical because Christ changed someone's life, you need to get right. That's what happened here. This crowd is grieved. They're upset. They're the ones who are supposed to be teaching. They're the ones uh, who are running the show here. They don't believe some of the things that have taken place, and they don't want their people being stolen away from them. Uh, they, they want to hold tight to that. And so they are grieved. It says that they taught the people and preach through the Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. They don't want any of that thing going on. They don't believe in the spirit world. They don't believe in cherubim and angels and seraphim and demons and devils, all these things. I mean, this is an aristocratic priesthood. I mean, it's more like you'd see there in the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, dryer and cracker dust, right? Formal, deader and a hammer. And so they're grieved that they taught the people. They didn't want them hearing that Jesus could change their life and that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and that there would be a resurrection in the future. They objected to any resurrection. Amen. They didn't believe in any of it whatsoever. So we know the, the Pharisees were caught up in I'm holier than thou. The Sadducees didn't believe in these miracles. And then you have these men who make their, their, their livelihood, their living, they work there in the temple. And here's what they do. They are so upset that people are hearing the gospel. Verse 3, they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. So they were in the temple that ninth hour, so three in the afternoon. So now it's getting on into the evening. They've been preaching and evangelizing and explaining the truth of the gospel. These men take hold of these preachers, not murderers, not thieves, not those who are trying to cause any kind of a civil insurrection, but these preachers. And the Bible says they put them in the hold. What are they guilty of? Well, they're guilty of taking Christ, amen, out of the upper room and scattering him all over the city. So they're preaching the gospel. Verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. I like that, howbeit. God doesn't need easy circumstances. God doesn't need fair weather. 
God doesn't need a hand up. God doesn't even need help. God can still get people saved no matter the circumstance. And I like this in the midst of persecution, in the midst of perilous situations, in the midst of the prison. Amen. God still moved through their preaching and folks got saved. You say, well, was it worth it? I think it'd be worth it. I wouldn't want to go to prison. You wouldn't want to go either if you have any kind of sense at all. None of us want that. But I'll tell you this, God might just do it. God might use it. I, I wouldn't choose it. I wouldn't ask for it and I wouldn't enjoy it. But can I say, these earliest Christians were no strangers to persecution, but they were also no strangers to the power of God. The Bible said many believed. And the number of the men, watch this, 5,000. So we have thousands of people that got born again, that were saved, because Peter took opportunity of God gathering a crowd. And Peter wasn't scared, and Peter wasn't bashful, and Peter wasn't looking to be politically correct. Peter said, you know what? God's brought this crowd right here to us. This lame man's been healed, and folks are wondering about it. I had to tell him what happened. And he shared the gospel, even though he knew the threat. He knew the danger. He knew the possible outcome, and obviously that's what happened. Peter gets, as far as I can tell, his first stay in a prison cell right here. But Peter preached. And because he preached 5,000 men, I don't know if there were ladies as well, but I know men, 5,000. That's the size of a small city. That many people got born again because Peter and John had some boldness about them, had some compassion in their heart, took advantage of the opportunity to be a witness, did not count the cost, were willing to pay the price to preach Jesus in their generation. So 5,000. So I don't know, it'd be two-hour message. Maybe Peter preached. If he preached from 3 until 5, getting to the evening time, which would be 6. I mean, you think about that. He preached, and 5,000 people got saved. What about that? So there's 120 in the upper room, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, and now, uh, I mean, another 2,000 added to that, 5,000 in this early church at Jerusalem being converted through the preaching of Peter under the power of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what we need in this day and hour. We need to tap back into that same power. I'm glad it's still available. I'm glad it's for you and I'm glad it's for me. We can be spirit-filled Christians and God can still do great and mighty things. We'll continue in this chapter next broadcast. Until then, pray with me for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.